Hi there, and welcome to On The Edge. I hope you are all off to a great start in 2023. We here at Business Edge Media have been working on the latest issue of our magazine and this edition of our podcast. We being me, Kelly Ryan, and my partner in podcast, Rob Driscoll. This week, we dig into the world of junior mining companies where we found a rare entity, a polo playing female CEO. Claudia Tornquist is the CEO of Kodiak Copper and is part of the group of women who comprise only 17% of the executive positions in the Canadian mining industry. That's from a study that came out last fall. Claudia's path to the corner office in downtown Vancouver started off in her home country of Germany, where she worked as an engineer in the automotive industry. Then off to France for an MBA, London for a job in finance, and then an unexpected turn into the mining industry when a headhunter came knocking on her door. Until then, I had no intention to go into the resource industry. I had no touch points with the resource industry. In fact, I googled Rio Tinto because I didn't even know Rio Tinto at the time. <laughs> and um, then um, ended up going to the interview. Um, it was a really nice team and really interesting job. They were specifically looking for people out, from outside the mining industry. And I ended up joining Rio Tinto. That was now more than 20 years ago. I've been in the resource industry ever since. For almost 10 years then with Rio Tinto, I had a fantastic time. And then made the switch to the junior sector, moved with my family to Vancouver, and have been in the junior mining industry ever since. Wow. I'm very much enjoying it. And what is the difference, the biggest difference or differences uh, between Rio Tinto and, and the junior mining industry? There's a very big difference, <laughs> I would say. Rio Tinto is a very large company, obviously, much more um, slow-moving and bureaucratic, much bigger projects, bigger sums of money, etc. involved. Um, it's a great company to work for because things are done properly in a, in a big company and you really learn things properly. Mm-hmm. So I'm very grateful for my time at Rio Tinto because, yeah, it, it taught me a lot. Um, the junior sector is much more entrepreneurial. You see much more the impact you make yourself. Um, and, yeah, it's much more up and down because it's a very cyclical industry. And um, in the downturn, life's tough as a, at a junior. And, yeah. And with BC... Um Tell me about working with Kodiak in, in BC. Um, I, I have read somewhere that you appreciate the, the general rule of law that is followed here compared to in some, re- some regions. Um, is that something that really draws you to work in Canada? Yeah, it's a great place to work. And many of our investors really like um, Canada and BC because it's a safe jurisdiction, rule of law. You know what you get. And it's been fantastic working there um, at our MPD project. Um, very good relationships also with the indigenous communities in the area. And um, it's been very good working there. Um, sometimes uh, BC and Canada can be slow and bureaucratic when it comes to permitting and things like that. Um, but overall, it's, yeah, you know that and you, you plan with it. And, and overall, it's a fantastic place to work. Let's talk about the the whole safety issue because certainly if you're working in South America, there there are real risks. Do you ever 
come against uh, protests or people who don't like mining companies in their community because mining has a certain reputation of, you know, just going in and getting what they want and then leaving when they're done? We haven't had any opposition so far. I think what you just described, so mining companies just going in and doing whatever they like, that's maybe what happened in the olden days, but really those times are, are over these days. Um, it's expected that companies are, are responsible for the environment and work um, uh, together with the local communities, take their views, their input into consideration. We keep them up to date. We meet with them. They give us their inputs. Um, they work, for example, with us on our environmental work, on our heritage surveys, and it's a very constructive um, cooperation. You're in Merritt, right? We are, yeah, near Merritt, between Merritt and Prince. I've read some of the news, and there's been some positive news. Uh, what, what is going on at Kodiak? Well, we've just wrapped up a um, big year of exploration. We are funded, uh, which with the market downturn we've seen in the last couple of months is very, very important. So we were able to execute a large exploration program. We drilled over 25,000 meters and have some results already, have much more to come in terms of results. Just made a gold and silver discovery recently in, in trenching, which is in very uh, and the gold is uh, the initial indications. Is that going to be a major part of your company going forward, or how significant are the results? Um, the the recent biozone discovery is a bit of an out of the box one, I would say, in that it was um, is a uh, copper, sorry, a gold, silver, precious metals okay. discovery, and um, in general. The MPD project is is copper porphyry. That's what mm -hmm. we've primarily um, drilled for so far, explored for. It's not uncommon in large porphyry systems like the one MPD to also have precious metals zones. Mm -hmm. So it's just an interesting addition and additional potential essentially for the project going forward. Okay. The main focus is copper porphyry exploration and certainly we have lots of targets for that next year to drill, and this new discovery just adds another target or another class of targets um, to our list of, of targets. Does it help to bring uh, investors in when you say, oh, not only have we got copper, we've got, we found gold, potentially silver, um, in a market where everybody's worried about a potential recession? How do you make people spend their money? It certainly helps to make discoveries. I think that's what the excitement is in a junior mining company. And to be able to point to a discovery that yeah, gets excitement, gets interest. And whether it's copper, whether it's gold, um, it just, yeah, it shows that that um, we've been successful in, in our approach, a very systematic exploration approach. And... Last year, we came up with the, the gate zone, copper discovery, porphyry discovery, which we've since uh, successfully expanded. And now this buyer gold discovery is a brand new addition and certainly an exciting development. Understand why copper is so significant in, in the direction of our economy and, and different industries. Well, 
copper and the demand for copper will be driven in large parts uh, by the whole energy transition, green revolution. There's lots of demand already materializing and will be more so materializing over the next years and decades. This whole energy transition is a real global mega trend. And all the, the industry or technologies that underpin the green revolution, electrical cars, solar, wind, etc., they are all very copper intensive and use much more copper than the industries they replace. Say an electric car takes three, four, five times as much copper as a conventional car. And so we know there will be strong demand. And the opposite side of the, the metal, the supply side, in copper in particular, is very different in that there are just not many projects coming on. And uh, the last 10 years have been uh, very few copper discoveries, no major discoveries. And see, we know already now, because it takes 10 to 20 years to build a copper mine from discovery to when it produces, we know there won't be much coming on in the next couple of years. And on the other hand, we have, of course, a lot of demand. So, yeah, more copper needs to be found. And that's what we're doing with Kodiak. Great. Um, is there a plan to uh, build up um, the drilling program and then possibly merge is that, is, or be bought out? Is that something that's part of the business plan or is it, is it just to grow the company under the Kodiak banner? Well, our um, aim for the future is to add value at the drill bit. That's, I think, what we, um, we can do best as a junior. And we certainly um, do more drilling, execute big drill programs next year, the year after, to make more discoveries and, and add value that way for our shareholders. Now, in the long term, so if you look around the world, um, the copper porphyry mines that are um, up and running, I don't think there's a single one that is run by the junior that originally made the discovery because copper porphyries are big deposits and big mines that cost many hundreds of millions, if not billions, to build, and they're big companies. So for us in the long term, the likely scenario is if we keep having success, that eventually a major company will become interested. Great. How many female CEOs are there in the mining industry, do you know, in Canada? I don't know the exact percentage, but it's a small minority. It's a very male-dominated industry, and yeah, almost all of the CEOs are male. And do you find challenges with that? Not really. At the end of the day, it's um, what you do and your work and your... Um, uh, if you're doing good work, then yeah, that's what counts. Um, and there might be, or might have been in the past, sort of glass ceilings or opportunities that people just didn't think of you as a woman. In the past, um, people would like go to the people they knew, the other CEOs, and so the logical choice for many roles, for many opportunities would be men. And, uh, but I think that's really changing and that lots of people want now a more diverse um, 
leadership, more diverse boards, more diverse companies. And I can certainly say from my experience over the last year or two or three that I've had as many opportunities come to me as uh, never before. Um, in particularly board roles, just lots of people are looking now specifically for women in leadership and board roles. So it's really the, the tide is changing. Um, I think that you uh, naturally inspire young women just by doing what you're doing, by reaching the top level of management with a mining company and, and having success. That's inspirational to people. Um, do you find there's any extra pressure to be that inspirational leader, or do you find just focusing on it is, is the best way to go? I can't say that I'm, I'm thinking much about, about being extra inspirational, but it's great if girls or younger women get inspired by, by um, my work or other female CEOs, CEOs work. I think um, it would be great to have more women in the business. There's a lot of research that shows that diversity leads to better results and diverse teams make better decisions. So, yeah. It would be great to, to see more women coming into the industry. There are a lot more women geologists than there used to be, are there not? I don't know. Oh, okay. I honestly don't know. All right. Well, we won't ask you any more questions yeah. <laughs> that you can't answer yeah. you for. When I was at university, I did not even know that you could study geology because in Germany, geology is a non-event. There's no, not a single mine. And like I said before, I didn't know Rio Tinto. When, I, when they first approached me, I worked for Rio Tinto for almost 10 years, and I was in England, so very often back in Germany. And in those 10 years, um, there were three people in Germany, like often people would ask me, so what are you doing? I would say, I work for Rio Tinto. And in this whole 10 years, there were three people who knew Rio Tinto. <laughs> that tells you how much their mining is on people's mind in Germany. It's just non-event. Switching gears a little. You were instrumental in bringing polo back to Vancouver. Tell us about that. Mm. <laughs> well, polo is, is one of my big hobbies. In fact, our family hobby. My husband plays, my children play. We're a polo-playing family. And when we moved to Vancouver from London, UK, we planned to join the Vancouver Polo Club and arrived here and found out there was no polo club and so founded one. And for the first couple of years, the Vancouver Polo Club was my husband and I, two members. <laughs> but since, um, it has grown and we're now the second largest polo club in British Columbia and a very active club. And um, yeah, it's great fun um, to play and a really fantastic sport. Wonderful. Um, I'm an athlete, but I've never played polo, and I don't know anything about it other than that horses are involved. Can you tell me what the greatest things about polo, what, what really uh, gives you the joy? It's a very exciting sport. There's a lot of adrenaline, and it's very hard in that you have to ride, of course. Then you have to hit a ball from the back of a bouncing horse, small ball, while going in a gallop, 
and with a long mallet. So a lot of hand-eye coordination. And I think it's a bit like golf, that many times you hit it and it just doesn't go anywhere. And then you hit this one shot and it goes in such a fantastic feeling. So that, and then it's also a lot of, of just strategy on where to go and how to go and and how to play the game. And you can imagine it's very fast. You're galloping on a horse. And so, yeah, there are many different angles to it. And, and it's a, it's a very addictive and very fun sport. And, and dangerous to some degree. Like there's been, there have been obviously some high profile injuries. Have you guys been able to avoid injury? It's, I think, less dangerous than, than many might think. Obviously, whenever you ride on a horse, every once in a while you hit the ground and, and generally that's not so pleasant. <laughs> but um, it's not more dangerous than, than many other um, equestrian sports or other sports. So, no, we haven't had any, any serious accidents. Okay. Touch wood. Great. So it's gone from two people to how many? We are now 14 members. So I have to keep in mind, polo is a very small, niche sport. And I think the entire sort of community of polo players in North America are 5,000 people. So there are probably more people in Vancouver, many more people in Vancouver that play hockey than there are people that play polo in the, all of North America. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small sport. Um, one more question about uh, Kodiak. Why would somebody want to invest in Kodiak? Well, an exploration company is always the management. Um, we have Chris Taylor, our founder, who's famous from his Great Bear success, one of the major gold discoveries in Canada in recent years, if not decades. And having him at the helm is obviously fantastic. And um, we have made a discovery and are fully funded and um, have lots and lots of results coming and much more drilling to come. So it's a very exciting sort of stage in the, in the company's development. And that's Claudia Tornquist, CEO of Kodiak Copper, which is based in Vancouver. So Rob, can I get you on the back of a horse for a tryout for the Vancouver Polo Club? Not a chance. Horses go up when I'm coming down, and the only reason I was able to have any children was because I did not ride horses as a teenager. <laughs> okay. Don't want to be up. Horses ass? I might have already achieved that status. <laughs> We're going to keep bringing you our interviews with some of the country's most compelling business leaders as the weeks go on. You can also go online to check out Business Edge News Magazine at businessedgemedia.ca. There you'll find lots of other stories about business in Canada and some of the big issues of the day. It's also in print where it is delivered to more than 100,000 businesses coast to coast. So keep an eye out for it. Thanks for listening. I'm Rob Driscoll. And I'm Kelly Ryan. 